0: Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunt. It is a Tuesday following the new year. Gentlemen, do you feel like new people? Do you feel refreshed? Do you feel ready to take on the world? Did you make any resolutions? Answer all of those questions in
1: order, Brunt. Uh, I don't feel any different. Uh, I i don't think i made any resolutions you're already out of order yeah what what was it, what uh, what was the other one fresh uh not fresh <laughs> runs is stale not fresh no mm. resolutions yeah Did you guys ever make resolutions
0: bc won't have to answer these questions i'll just change up the conversation right here
2: um yeah occasionally uh not like in a real uh, like man, this has got to be the moment. Because I see it as sort of just random that we pick, okay, on this day, yeah. things are really going to be different. Uh, but, you know, I'd like to improve my banter on podcasts uh, in 2021. I feel like I could, I could step it up there. I do feel fresh, unlike bronze. I, I bought this, like, kind of face, facial mo- moisturizer, which I've never used before. It's kind of charcoal, and it just makes my face feel like it's just airy. You just feel it, your pores. It's really good. So uh, I, I actually feel pretty good right now. So
0: you're, you're saying your face feels very hydrated right now.
2: Yeah, I feel amazing right now. I'm, I'm, on, Nebraska, I'm on a high.
0: This Nebraska dry air can't bring Brian Christopherson down.
2: It's a dry cold. My face is getting a little craggly. I just, it's a, <laughs> it's a dog fight like this time of year. This is by far the worst month. Uh, of the year to me it's not even close it's just a fight for what second so you gotta you gotta find your small victories and that moisturizing cream is it for me
0: i I know that people don't listen to this podcast to talk about facial skin care but i I do want to (laughs) say that as a man with a beard and has had a beard for a long time this is the time of year that it's the worst to have a beard Hmm. You combine that dry air with the beard that already dries the skin out. And often my face just looks like I was the one that was on the motorcycle that cost Bobby Petrino his job at at Arkansas. Wow. It it sometimes just looks like road rash because it just breaks out so bad because it's so dry. So I have to like, I have (laughs) to use a facial moisturizer. I'm not even as old as old man, Brian. And I came to it at a much (laughs) earlier point in life because I, I have to do it.
1: I like to imagine. I like to imagine that one person that listens to this podcast for for facial, um, facial regimens, has just been waiting for this day, and just like quickly jotting things down right now.
0: I I like to think that this podcast is very versatile, uh, and sometimes people will get tips on socks, or they'll get uh, coffee talk, and today it just happens to be like you know facial
2: moisturizer. We haven't done socks in a while. We're going to have to get socks in in January to kill, kill a segment. So uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Your Bobby Petrino line uh, was really good for, it took me like five seconds to kind of process it. And then I was like, man, that was a good line you had. So uh, kudos. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: I, I like to drop that in there. If only because it conjures up that mental image of press <laughs> conferences of all time.
2: With the neck brace. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Anyhow,
0: (laughs) it's pretty good. Speaking of pretty good, Nebraska had a pretty (laughs) good weekend. They figured out uh, the magic combination to whatever it was JoJo Doman needed to hear to come back for the 2021 season. Nebraska's outside linebacker, JoJo Doman, one of the better players, I think, on their defense, announced – on saturday january 2nd that he would be joining or rejoining or i don't know what what is the term we want to use here opting in opting into his sixth year of eligibility that works and so i thought let me put it this way is there another decision that could happen player wise that would garner the sort of reaction that we saw from the Nebraska fan base. You saw what it was like on our message board. You saw what it was like on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, Cam Taylor Britt's really good and he made a decision of his own. And we'll talk about that here in, in a little bit. Dedrick Mills has been talked about a ton. Ben Stilley's a local kid. I just don't know if there is anyone that could have garnered the sort of reaction opting back in or choosing to come back to Nebraska Uh, that we saw out of JoJo Doman's – well, not out of JoJo Doman, but out of the reaction to it. It was strong.
2: Yeah, I don't – I think Dedrick Mills could maybe rival it, but probably not get quite there. Um, I think because of the uncertainty at running back, people would be pretty giddy and somewhat surprised, sort of like they were with JoJo. I think that was the biggest reason for it, Schaefer, is that I think a lot of people, after they heard him talk on senior day – in the post game. And he had a couple of quotes, which basically seemed like this is probably it for me. Uh, it, it sucks to go out this way with the loss. And so I think most people are like, well, that one's done. And so I, I think that probably contributed to it, but also he's, he's a guy who never leaves a field on the defense. I mean, he played every snap against Penn state in the 91 snap game. Um, he's a guy who can, you know, come from the, uh, behind the play and make TFLs. And he can also uh, occasionally make a play 50 yards downfield against a skill guy in coverage. So it, it, it's that type of versatility. And the fact that Nebraska, I don't think has a ready-made guy to replace him where I think people kind of let out a sigh of relief, like, okay, they got some time now to at least try to figure out who's next after Jojo there. Yeah. I think,
1: I think what it does is it. Brian's points, an, an important one that getting Jojo back, doesn't force you to have to really, you know, shoehorn a guy into that role or bring somebody along really quickly as a young guy. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Jojo on his own is, is, you know, worth that kind of um, reaction. I mean, I, I think the fact that he matches up well as a cover guy, but is also able to, to play relatively strong against the run. I mean, that kind of versatility, you, you don't, find and especially you know a guy that I mean you you can find it but it's tough but it also you know to have a guy that has such a good knowledge of a defense that's the other big part of it too is you know this is a guy that's been through it a few times uh, you know has that kind of institutional knowledge and you're getting him back for another season so it was it was big for sure I'll, I'll, I'll flip it around to you guys on this? Cause I've, I've been thinking about this and I, I think we might've touched on it a little bit in the last podcast. I can't remember, but of that, that group of guys on defense is, is Jojo Doman's decision the most important that could be there for you guys?
0: I So I think the answer is yes. And then I think it, the closest would be, one of the safeties and because there's two of them and you have two opportunities to maybe get one guy back, it makes Jojo seem even more important because of the role that, that he plays. And, and you guys have touched on it, but the the time that it gives Nebraska to work with a, a Javen Wright or to work and figure out where Randolph Kapai or Kobe Bretz is going to fit this defense, just giving them that extra season is huge. And then I, in no small part, it's also big because it just really feels like he kind of hit his stride in 2020. And then you sort of wonder if there's another level to how Jojo Doman could play as what's going to be, I think, a 24-year-old uh, for Nebraska at outside linebacker. I mean, I, I, I wonder if there isn't more that we could see from him uh, than, than what we already saw this year, which was pretty compelling stuff.
2: Yeah. I think he's the top guy. I mean, if I put out a poll on our site about who's the one senior you'd want back, um, if you could only pick one and he was my vote. Um, I think Ben Stilley coming back would be big for, for other reasons too. Um, also because I don't think it, that would keep you from forcing some guys into more snaps, um, than they're maybe ready for just yet. Like I'm talking about like most, I knew some Nash Huttmacher types, like you want to see those guys start to get into games, but they don't have to get quite as many reps and they can kind of be eased into it. And I like that if still, he comes back, but, um, Doman's number one on my list. Um, Mills is probably, um, number two and, uh, you know, we'll get to cam here in a second, but that, that was one where I felt like he could improve his stock by coming back. So that was a big deal too. I
0: I, think- I have another follow-up question really quickly. We've seen other people use that video before Thor uh, with basketball did it back when it was reported that he was going to be asked to transfer and he dropped that video and I told everyone that he was going to be sticking around. Uh, can anyone else ever use that video in context of Nebraska athletics? Because the, the dropping in of the faces for the various people in the crowd, and I assume both of you guys have seen Wolf of Wall Street, but maybe you haven't, Yeah. Uh, that was just a tremendous use of new media if there ever was one.
1: Yeah, no, it well the the, the good thing about Thor's was just the randomness of it. <laughs> like I, I know the, re, the the reports were out there at the time, but you know, I I, I appreciate I appreciate Thor's sense of humor because I think he's kind of got like a, a an incredibly dry sense of humor anyway. Well he's
0: Icelandic, so yeah, yeah.
1: Dry cold. And that uh, but... <laughs>
0: actually wasn't where I was going,
1: <laughs> but uh,
0: is what they are.
1: Yeah, no, but I, I think I, the 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 coaching faces on those were pretty amazing. Like I think you yeah. probably got to retire it after that.
0: Oh, well, the, the effort and time that someone put in, because I think some of those coaching faces actually change a little bit based on the the scene, um, and so. <laughs> It, it, was, it was really well done. I, I have to profess, I was, I was very surprised. I thought JoJo Doman was going to going to be gone. I kind of thought if there was guys coming back that they would be at a, a little bit lower tier of, of value, I guess, if you will, or quality. Um, but I, I was really surprised on Saturday. And, and like I said, that reaction I thought was well-deserved because of the value that, that he certainly brings.
2: Did you know, um, you might recall, that Stanley Morgan used the Wolf of Wall Street uh, scene to announce he was returning. Now, he did not put uh, the, the coach's faces uh, on the actors, so his wasn't quite as good as JoJo. But if you're looking for signs that like it leads to positive senior seasons after using the Wolf of Wall Street video, uh, we, have, we have history that suggests that's, that's a fact. So JoJo's probably going to have a huge year.
0: So what what record can JoJo break now to match Stanley Morgan breaking the uh, the all time receiving record?
2: What's a what's a sack record? He's probably going to have like twenty three sacks now after putting the faces on the actors. Twenty three sacks you can mark it in pen probably, um, something like that. Yeah,
0: that's an, that's a bold prediction and oddly specific here in January
1: we're we're probably getting close to career games played territory aren't we
0: <laughs> look at look at brunts coming in with something <laughs> something that is actually realistic I, so he didn't play much as his first his freshman year he really didn't get to play at all uh, he's because, at 41 uh, right now yeah so if he if they get i mean if they get 13 games in that puts him at 54 no one else is likely going to be that high
2: yeah, he could he could uh, he could set that. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a good it was a really good weekend for Nebraska football um, in that it was an actual offseason win that matters. Like sometimes there's like fun viral videos and that stuff's nice, uh, but it doesn't mean a thing. Uh, you know, Jojo Doman coming back is, is just a monster lift and it, it actually counts when you're playing against Iowa. Did you make?
1: Yeah, I agree. Back to my original question. Do, could you? I think you could make a case for Deontay Williams or Mark Hill Dismute, couldn't you?
2: Because you don't know what's behind him, especially I mean, with Farmer's injury.
1: Behind them, you've got Miles Farmer walking around Georgia right now in a boot. You've got Noah Pola Gates. You just walking the whole state? Is he going to the pecan farms? Pecan farms. And. I mean, the no Paul Gates, you've got Isaac Gifford. Um, I mean, if one of those guys comes back, you probably go a little less
2: hard in the paint when it comes to the transfer portal, right? Yeah, I think it's a big deal that one of them comes back. I don't necessarily expect it. Markel Dismuke has got to be like 24, 23 or 20. I mean, he's because I think he was an older guy. Well, and Deontay uh, Williams
0: is is older than just Muke, so.
2: Yeah. Um, so, I, did, I mean, I don't – I get why it's such a layered decision for these guys. We talked about this last week. Some people are acting like when Boodle decided he was coming out, that's like like him coming out early. And it's a different deal than that. I mean, it's uh, – these guys have – some of these guys have been playing college football for five years. Most of them have. And it's just at that point where you're like, let's see what's next in my life. You know, If even if I don't make it in the NFL, it's that point where maybe you're ready to just kind of move on and, and make a salary and all that stuff. So I I get it. Um, but I, I do think to your question, Bruns, um, I think safety would, I think it's huge if they could get one back. Is it bigger than getting Stilly back? Maybe because you could argue um, that Nebraska's defensive line is in better shape uh, with depth and, and younger guys than than safety is at this moment
1: because I, I think Williams too specifically i think is in that, a position where you know he, he put some things on tape this year and I mean he is old right he's born in 1996 um, so but you know does another year help him even more I don't know I mean that, that's one guy that I've kind of thought of and I, you know, Will Honus is kind of in the same situation guys that have have battled injuries. I thought Will Honus was playing his best football uh, of his time at Nebraska, the last few games of the season. So I don't know. Those are, you're right. Those are really layered decisions. And especially for these guys on defense who I, I don't think you would count on them being draft picks at this point. And, and, you know, if they went in now and guys that would need to really work out well, uh, or, or really kind of bust their ass to make a, you know, a, a practice squad or kind of get in the, the door that way.
2: There's a nice chain reaction. If Honus comes back too, because I think some people look at that one and say, Oh, they're fine. A middle linebacker. Cause you, you can move Hendrich and Reimer and you've got Kolarovich coming in. So you've, you've got a trio you can, and that's true. They can survive that. But if Honus comes back, it, it continues to allow you, um, at some point, maybe you want to settle Henrich, like this is your spot for sure, but he's such a versatile guy. You can kind of move him inside and outside and it gives you some options. So that, that, that uh, that part shouldn't be understated.
0: I, I'm kind of curious, like where does the Cam Taylor Britt sort of return rank amongst guys that you wondered if they were like, so Stanley Morgan was mentioned already. And there was thought like he might leave to go to the NFL. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys where there was a real conversation that they might leave to go to the NFL early. Where does Cam Taylor-Britt kind of rank for you in terms of of guys that were good junior players that had that opportunity uh, to to potentially pursue something? I'm just trying to to think of how he sort of stacks up because relative to this team and the last few years, really, really good. It's just also like, Nebraska's had so many pretty good defensive backs in recent memory. I'm just trying to figure out where he falls in all of the categories, if that makes sense.
2: It's a good question. I think it's changed in the last 20 years or so where it used to be that guys felt like they had to hear like they were going to be a first rounder or late first round guy. And if they weren't, you came back. That was just the way it used to be. And the mindset for fair reason has changed because we've seen so many success stories. And when the way NFL teams now value um, those, you know, the third, fourth, fifth round picks, I mean, some of those guys turn into studs, but not to get into Vikings talk, but was it Dansler? I mean, he was one of the best rookie players Vikings had and he was what, what round pick was he fifth round Yeah, third round. Okay. So he's, he was third round, but, um, even like that third to fifth round, I think guys think about they're like, that's fine. Just get me on a on the field and I'll prove that I belong and um, I'll make a spot. And so I don't think the round matters as much. And sometimes people still act like it's 1988, where you have to be the 28th pick overall to to come out. And that's just not the way it is. So I did have a little bit of wonder about Taylor Britt because I thought, you know, he's the type of guy who might bet on himself. Like I'll get it picked in the fourth round and then I'll just rise up. And uh, that, that's, that's sort of where I was curious what would happen.
1: Yeah. For, for me, I, I was, so I was watching the Rutgers, rewatching the Rutgers game last night. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. Um, so I was kind of trying to place him in like who his comp is recently at Nebraska and, and not even as like a guy that could potentially turn pro, but yeah,
0: so that's kind of what I wanted to get to, and I couldn't really come up with anybody,
1: yeah. Well, that was like, well, is he because he, I, I guess, he's probably sized similarly to like an Alfonso Dennard, maybe well, he, Dennard was like 5'10, 200 Brits. What, probably 5'11? What do they list him at? Oh, I think
0: Rich bigger than that. Is he? I think he is. Maybe he's not. Dennard's listed at 5'10,
1: 200. Okay. So they list Britt at six foot 205. So I was thinking, because like, and then I started looking back, feel like Alfonso Dennard's kind of like, journey to the nfl and i'd forgotten that he was you know one of like the top five corner prospects early in like early in that process like before the senior bowl and stuff like that and and i don't know that i would necessarily put cam taylor Britton now on kind of the level that Alfonso dennard was at so i don't know like I, I struggle with kind of where to place him and then you know on the other hand you're watching him play against Rutgers, where he makes that incredible interception. There were probably two or three plays where, you know, it was a short, quick pass to the sideline or something like that, and he just blew it up, like with his physicality um, and kind of just playmaking ability there. So, you know, I-, I could see where maybe he would have thought about it. I'm sure that he submitted a num uh, a grade just to see where he would be, but. At the same time, you can kind of see where, OK, the, the the kind of the foundation is there for him to have a huge 2021 and put himself in a really good spot. And I, I just I don't know that he would have been, you know, as marketable now, I guess, as he will be a year from now. I, the guy that I come back to and they don't even play the same
0: position, but I think it's more of kind of the the intangible nature that they bring to the defensive side of the ball is Nate Gary. Like I, I just feel like Cam Taylor Britt has kind of that ability where he just is going to step up and make plays in key situations. And that's what Nate Gary did for basically his junior and senior year in 2015 and 2016. I mean, he was just a guy that, that bailed Nebraska out at times. And I, I would refer to him as like an eraser I don't know if Cam Taylor Britt, like I said, it's quite there, but he just has this knack for coming up with key plays and key situations, and I I just – I don't know that there's been a lot of guys Nebraska's had that have been similar to that. They've had um, guys that are technically pretty good or, or produce fairly well or come up with more interceptions or whatever, but he just seems to be in the right place at the right time a lot.
2: Yeah. When Brunson was talking about Dennard, I think that was a good example. Because I, I remember um, on the beat, Alfonso Dennard was uh, deciding if he should come back or not his senior year. He, he had a real choice, and he told us at a bowl game that he was going to come back. And like Brun said, he was actually going to be a higher pick. Then he got in trouble like a week before the draft, and it made him slide to the seventh round. Well, He didn't have a very good senior year either. He, didn't, he, didn't, he also didn't really practice at the senior bowl that year.
1: Like, he basically went down there and wasn't able to work out.
2: Yeah, if he wouldn't have got in trouble, though, right before the draft, I still think he would have been a mid-round guy because at one point he was really high up. Um, and he shut down some really good receivers in his career. Yeah. Um, so that's a good, that's a good comparison. Uh, there's a little Dijon Gomes in Cam Taylor-Britt, too. Uh, when I was listening to Schaefer talk about guys who have a knack, you know, sort, sort of for taking the ball away and stuff like that, um, Dijon Gomes, I always think of in that respect. Um, so there's a, it's a nice combination of guys that we're throwing out, and that's a compliment to Cam of of what he's become and what he can be. And also, um, he's a real personable guy who I think his teammates feed off. He's a really good leader. Let's not forget, he was like the lifter of the year um for nebraska a season ago and so uh he does all the work behind the scenes he's a very good peer recruiter uh with guys they they love to get recruits around him because he's a good ambassador so i mean he checks so many boxes as Brunts would say um to uh for nebraska beyond just what he does on the field he's that it's a it's a big addition in more ways than just a couple
0: it's weird that his NFL career flamed out at age 25 because he played pretty well for the the Patriots. He was drafted in the seventh round, um, had two picks in their, their playoff run in 2013, had uh, three, five picks in his career. And then he was just done at 25.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Alfonso was a, he was an interesting, he was from a really small town and yeah, um, Did a nice job to get to Nebraska and and build himself up, but it was, it kind of was unfortunate it stopped as quickly as he did. He did get in a fight with Alshon Jeffrey, though, that I enjoyed in the bowl game. So that was, that was good. He's from Wilcox County, Nebraska
0: is recruiting a linebacker from there this year. He ended up at Kentucky.
2: That's a small place. Martez
0: Thrower. Yeah. No, a very small place.
2: It's like a two stoplight. T- I remember doing the Alfonso Dennard. The first feature I ever did that has become an Alfonso Dennard segment. He had a, remember when Niles Paul, like returned to kick against San Jose state in 2008 when they were kind of in trouble. Alfonso Dennard had this big block on it. And I, I did my first story on him, one of about a hundred. So, uh, and I remember he said, it's such a small town.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely small. I, I remember talking with the coach even just this past uh, winter, and he was talking about how Alfonso Dennard, the impact of just what he was able to do at Nebraska and making the NFL, and, like, he's just a, a known name to every kid there. All right, let's 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 take a break here. When we come back, we'll dive into the commitment of Wyndon Hohuli, Nebraska's most recent addition in their 2021 class and their first big win in Hawaii in some time.
2: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: All right, and we are back, gentlemen. Nebraska got a commitment on national television on Saturday. Do you remember where you were when this moment happened? It's probably one of the
1: better, uh, better one of the the most photogenic re- commits that Nebraska's gotten. Is that fair? <laughs> I think that's very fair. Given that I've attended some, you've attended some, we've
0: certainly seen photos from others and they just kind of lack the picturesque beauty of the,
1: uh, the Hawaiian islands, if you will, and the coast. It's, uh, well, you had like, you've got the beach behind him. He was, he was blowing the conch shell. Um, he does that before every football season, I believe. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, we, we've covered some of those in some really stuffy gyms. Um, I mean, this is no, no disrespect to the people of northern Kansas, but I would think I'd rather cover one of those in Hawaii than Hiawatha,
2: Kansas. I liked uh, his hype man, too. Was it his coach who said he's a combination of Ray Lewis and uh, – who was the other player? Ed so, Reed. Oh, yeah. Ed Reed. Throw in Ronnie Lott, too, while you're at it. Um, but – Yeah. You gotta, you gotta believe in, uh, believe in your guys, I guess, but I really like that. Hopefully he can be that guy, huh?
0: If he is one fifth as good as a combination of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, does that make him the best defensive player Nebraska's had since Levante David?
2: One fifth. You get one fifth of each. Yeah. You're talking
0: about two hall of famers. I think the greatest safety of all time, certainly in my lifetime, um, Ray Lewis might be one of the best linebackers in my lifetime. Uh, that's look. It's one thing to be like, "Oh yeah, he could be the next whatever," but you're combining two Hall of Famers. That's just insane.
2: Yeah, um, that's that, that's high expectations, but uh, you know, it's one of those days where it. You're excited for the kid. You want to say something really good about him and yeah, maybe sure. maybe go a little extreme with it. But, yeah, I think that would be about the best Nebraska player they had. I don't know as much about him as, as you do as far as, um, like, all the ins and outs of, of how you think he can be used. So I'm interested in getting a little breakdown here.
0: Yeah, he's, he's sort of an interesting – player and that i think he kind of fits what they want to do at inside linebacker i don't know if he's a guy that you want in space and covering uh slot receivers in the same way as a jojo Doman. if you played him as an outside linebacker it might be more of a a guy that comes forward 90 percent of the time but he's got a great frame he hits people i mean and that's that's where some of that comes from on his film like when he hits it sticks and so it's a uh it's good film there he played a little defensive back and he seems to have good instincts. I just don't know if he moves that well laterally. And so um, I'll be curious where exactly he ends up for Nebraska, but I think inside linebacker is where it makes the most sense. And it it kind of allows Nebraska to move around a little bit in terms of what they want to do with Randolph, Kapai and others.
1: It's another interesting piece for that linebacker group, right? Like, I think somebody on the site the other day was kind of asking where, you know, a lot of these guys are going to end up. Um, and I mean, you've got Randolph Pi, who, you know, I, I think could could potentially play outside if necessary. I think Kahuli probably could could uh, you know be pretty comfortable at inside backer. Uh, Seth Malcolm. I mean, I, I think there's you know uh, not probably not a guy in the class that's more. Uh, underrated in terms of his physical defense uh, than him, so you know when you kind of start with those guys, um, you're adding that group to you know linebacker core right now of the younger guys with Luke Reimer and inside backer, Nick Henrik to play uh, either inside or outside. You, you don't really know what you have right now with Blaze Gunnerson, but it, it seems like the, the numbers in those position rooms are starting to get to where they need to be um what do you think brian
2: yeah uh i think because of the versatility of all those guys you mentioned where do you think uh like bayer fits mckay bayer um what, what what's the best spot for him from what you know probably i, I think more inside what do you think yeah. mike
0: uh, I, I think Makai Bear is probably more of an inside guy. I know that I think on 24-7 sports he's listed as outside, but that's more of a you 4-3. Know, I think he's comfortable playing either. I mean, that's that's some of what's going to happen here is you get Seth Malcolm and Makai Bayer and even Chris Kalarovic, Wyndon Ho'Huli, Randolph Kapai, and you just kind of figure it out when they get on campus. I, I was having this conversation with Jay Foreman actually yesterday, and I do think that we get hyper-focused on where these guys are going to end up. And Jay Foreman was a running back in high school who ended up being a great linebacker for Nebraska. He almost was a defensive end. He wanted to play safety. Uh, Ron Brown talked to him about playing wingback. I do think that sometimes we get really locked in on, oh, this is who's going to replace this guy, and this is who's going to do that. Sometimes I think that, especially in a year where you didn't get to do as much in-person evaluation – getting the guys to campus and then really sort of allowing their athleticism to dictate where they're going to end up is going to be key. And I think a guy like makai Bayer to me seems more like an inside linebacker, but Nebraska might view it by the time he gets here that he might be quick enough that you want to put him outside and, and you think that he can get to the edge uh, on the pass rush. So I, I do wonder um, if Nebraska sometimes just collects these athletes and then they kind of want to figure out the position it.
2: With this Saturday commit, I mean, it's amazing to me they were able to to get a guy from the islands in a year like this, uh, where it's all distant recruiting. Uh, maybe in some weird way, that's that's part of the reason why he ended up here. What do you think? I mean, obviously, Tony Tuioti was big, but I know Tuioti, uh, in an interview like a month ago, he was crediting Scott Frost and Eric Chenander for also being heavily involved along with this and making... Uh, making Nebraska feel like family what what do you think put Nebraska over the top without him being able to even visit here
0: yeah I think that Eric Shenander did a really nice job I think that he pops up a lot especially with defensive players is a really hyperactive recruiter one of the things I've noticed and it's probably not every kid in the class but Scott Frost has made himself pretty available for some of the the top guys I guess if you will or some of what seems to be their bigger targets. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case for every school with their head coach at this point. Uh, but he does seem to be, you know, in good consistent communication, almost like he's the one recruiting the guy. And so I, I've, I've noticed that trend sort of emerge when you're talking to Thomas Fedoni or Wyndon Ho'Hooley or, or some of these other guys, I, I think Avante Dickerson might be another one. And, and so that, that has kind of surprised me, but it, it actually, where this all started you want to go back to the spring of when Tony Tuioti got here and or maybe even the summer. Uh, I remember, I think it might've been at like that big man camp, or we had an opportunity to, to, to interview him and I, and it was in Memorial stadium. And I just remember talking to him about Hawaii because they had just offered some kids that were in the 2021s uh, at that point in time. I don't know if Hohuli was one of them or not. I'd have to go back and look at the story exactly. But and I, I asked, you know, how you go about recruiting Hawaii because he said he wanted to make that an emphasis. And we've seen other coaching staffs attempt to do it. Uh, guys like Keani bush and and uh, Isaac Slade, Mautautia, um, other ones like that. Nebraska's gotten guys to visit the campus. They haven't necessarily gotten the, the commitments. And he basically said, you have to, to plan out. You have to sow the seeds. You have to put in the work. You have to be visible. And that's true anywhere. But you can't just expect that you're going to go in and you're going to completely sell anyone on your school immediately, even if you have great connections to that state. And so his his plan was to try to sow early. And I think that they're going to go back in 2022 and 2023 and so on and so forth because they they were able to get somebody. And if Wyndon Hojuli has success and you're able to point to that. And of course, then you can point to Tony, uh, you know, I uh, can't even pronounce the last name. at this. Tuioti. There we go. Um, well, I was going to say the offensive lineman, Fanoti.
2: Tony, Fanoti.
0: Yes. Um, and, and you can point to success that you've had historically. You can point to Tuyoti's success that he's had in terms of recruiting. So you, you just have a lot of different things. And then, of course, Marcus Mariota, McKenzie Milton. Like, there's just a lot that sort of works in Nebraska's makeup uh, with the state of Hawaii. But you, you want Wyndon Hojuli to have a little nice success there to make it easier but I do think Nebraska is going to try to get a kid every cycle or at least be in the mix for one or two kids every cycle because of those connections and because it started to build a little bit this year.
1: Well, I would. Who are the last Hawaiian com- commits? Was it Tony Finotti and, and Junior Tackle?
0: I think they got three of them in 2000,
2: if I'm not mistaken. I'd wanna I'd wanna if I were a coach, I'd I'd wanna get a few visits to Hawaii, make sure that I'm I'm hitting that that space a little bit.
0: Was Mark Banker that said that it's not all fun and fun and games when you're out there recruiting Hawaii. And then he like he's had that kind of like, you know, <laughs> grin on his face when he said it. But. There is
2: probably some truth to it because it would be you gotta make like a that huge flight and then it's you gotta probably get in and out. Somewhat quickly. Well, so. you're not there
0: very long. Yeah, you're have to yeah. island hop a little bit, and then maybe you're only there for Honolulu. But it's not like it moves really quickly either. So,
2: yeah, It putting been was... a lot
0: of time for something that might have little payoff, I guess, is what he was trying to get at.
2: Um. Well, everybody's wondering now what What do you think? Is I mean, is this it, or do you think what What's still out there for Nebraska before February, if there is anything? I think
0: that Nebraska would like to obviously add some more high school pieces if they're the right ones. And, and one of those could be another kid from Hawaii in Titus Mokial at And that is, that's a real name, by the way, that is a, a four-star athlete out of Hawaii. He was looking hard at Notre Dame. They want him to play defensive back. He wants to play wide receiver. He knows Wyndon Hohuli. And I think that Nebraska is going to try to use that to their advantage he would come in at wide receiver, which Nebraska is, is not, I think, closed off at this point about adding some more talent to that wide receiver room. So that's a guy to keep an eye on, obviously, Avante Dickerson. Uh, and then we'll see if there's some other people that pop up or if Josh Simmons becomes a bigger target now or whatever else that they, uh, they decide to do on the defensive line.
1: I hope that Nebraska really gets into Hawaii so that you have to pronounce names on the podcast.
0: Well, with Blair Angulo, I at least have a resource that's probably as good as you could possibly have um, because he has spent so much time in these communities and learning to pronounce these names. And uh, he will send over the phonetic pronunciations as much as possible. So that's helpful. Well, I look forward to that. Yeah, well, thank you. (laughs) I look forward to you having to write their names all the time. That way it's a win-win for everybody.
2: Yes. I do the thing where I copy, I'll go to the profile and I'll I'll uh, run the old uh, cursor over a copy and paste the name on my first thing. That's that's how I operate. That'll happen.
0: I mean, I, I think that... Uh, who's the toughest name in Husker history that you've had for spelling?
2: Hmm. One where it took more than, like, a year till it was, like, in your brain, right?
0: Yeah, but it. it, I want it to be twofold. Like, one that's difficult, but one that you actually have to use a lot. Like, not some guy that was just, like, on the practice squad or whatever. Like, someone that actually played, and you'd have to to remember how to type that name out.
2: I can't – I probably won't say his name correctly, but I took a lot of pride that I eventually, before he decided to go elsewhere, learned uh, Owa's name, uh, the whole – pronunciation yeah. correctly oh magby og odi i didn't do it right there i i had it though a few years back and i was really patted myself on the back for it it's good brunch you got one uh well
1: the pronunciation that always killed freedom's last name um uh, i always struggle okay,
2: with. in molodon
1: yeah molodon. yeah it that it, it for a while it was it was tough um did you ever do a aka 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 ask somebody else uh, i did not i thor was thor's last name was tough until for a little while Thor uh, to type it oh yeah um but yeah i think those are, those are probably the, the notable
2: ones I think Thor and I have the same number of le- uh, letters in our last name, which is very rare that someone catches me there uh, with 14 letters. I believe we're tied. My, my parents once won a clock at Nebraska Furniture Mart because they uh, put over the speaker, they asked, who has the longest name in the store? You get this clock. And uh, my mom had the longest name in the store.
0: Do, uh, do they refer to it as their Nebraska clock?
2: Yeah. Nebraska—that's <laughs> what we called in our house. Nebraska.
0: The has come full circle.
2: <laughs> but
0: anyway, <All> right. <laughs> any any closing thoughts here? Well, apparently I'm, not. No, there's the no real difference.
1: I, I, I was going to circle back around to facial regimens, but I, I don't know that we need to do that.
0: <laughs> Probably not.
2: Next, next well, pod. Something to look forward to. uh,
0: We'll come back on Thursday. We'll see if there's any chemical elements in BC's moisturizer that causes his face to break out. We'll have that for you. Uh, We're going to get into a little college football playoff talk. Alabama plays Ohio State. I, for one, am surprised. I didn't think Ohio State was going to win last weekend. So we'll dive into that game a little bit. And we're going to start breaking down some of Nebraska's position groups as we look ahead. 2021 and of course we'll tackle any other news that happens between now and then we'll catch you on thursday
2: paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of zen this earth week you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on paramount plus paramount plus official streaming partner of the national park foundation